Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. That was a strange dream. I must have fallen asleep in my podcasting chair right after recording the end of year message and imagined an entire festive episode. It was a little inspiring, but I'd still say I'm not more than a third of the way to considering writing, recording and releasing a Christmas episode this year. Probably too late now anyway. We'd have to have thought about this in the summer and now it's far too... Oh, what now? Mark my footsteps, my good page, tread thou in the bo- Ah, come in. Come in, man, and know me better. Andy? Andy Conduit Turner, are you? The ghost of Christmas present. Exactly. Well spotted. I was going to say, wearing my dressing gown, but... There's no time to reflect on that now, Luke. The character brief was expressly clear that I should really stay in the moment. Contemporary Christmas creepouts exclusively. Now that I think of it, this description of the nature of my instructions is, in of itself, probably a little bit too past-centric. So moving swiftly on. So, are you the second of the ghosts Dan mentioned yesterday? 
here to convince me to write a Christmas special for the podcast this year. Well, I couldn't possibly comment on what anyone said yesterday, mate. Past to foreign country and all that. And for those of us terminally tethered to the timely ticks of the temporal... Now? I'll just focus on telling you the story I brought along. Alright. Go on, then. I will. Uh, by, by which I mean I am. Present tense. Okay, look, I, I can't promise to keep this up for an entire story, but let's just agree that the story I have for you is focused on the Christmas horrors of our present era. So settle in, old chum, while I tell you the story of... But you can't fuck with Christmas. Lying in bed, he went over the announcement in his head yet again. And so you see that it's the commitment to both the diversity of our great country and our vision to level up our economy that's driven us to roll out the snow programme to all employers in the UK this winter. The Right Honourable Horace Eaton instinctively tapped his phone to decline the call without looking to see who it was. Even at this hour, on Christmas Eve, they were still haranguing him to make a U-turn, but he would not be swayed. Now, Prime Minister, what would you say to critics that claim your changes to public holiday allocations are less about respecting diversity and more about diminishing the rights of workers or targeting those who are already struggling financially? I would say they were talking nonsense, or that they were clearly opposed to our country's growth. Look here. Places being closed for the holidays has been a problem since our first ever Christmas, when Mary and Joseph couldn't find an open inn, and it's continued to this day. Why should people that don't celebrate Christmas have to take the day off? And why should those who still wish to shop, eat out, watch a film, or all things that feed our economy, go without due to a nationally enforced closure? Shutting the country down at a cost of billions where only 46% of our population list themselves as Christian seems like a poor economy to me. The phone again? Could they not give him any peace? He grabbed the blasted thing and cast it away into the darkness of the unfamiliar room. It landed with a soft thud somewhere unseen. Based on our projections, less Christmas closures and service disruptions are going to reduce revenue losses versus December 25th last year, 300-fold at least. And how are you balancing high street revenues in value against the well-being of for people in our country that we love to do well? We need to grow the economy and to create and protect jobs. By forcing people to work? No, by giving them the opportunity to work. As a reminder, thanks to the offset portion of Snow, any employee able to showcase either attendance at a recognised church or a spend of one-twelfth of their household income or greater with a validated retailer during December will have any leave they take off work during the former Christmas closure period credited back to them as public holiday in January. This time can then be taken off at a time agreed to their employer any time before the end of February. It simply couldn't be any fairer or more straightforward. It's the very essence of snow. Much as he'd done during the broadcast, he proudly counted back the letters of the backronym on his fingers as he repeated, Support the nation with offset work time. Yeah, more like spin now, otherwise work, you can It was that half-sentence that had caused all of this. Those good-for-nothing, lefty, media, elite fucks had agreed to cut the interview before that anti-growth conspirator had piped up. 
Sure, they had cut before he'd said very much, but it had set the optics all wrong. When Parliament resumed on January 8th, the official stats of the inaugural Christmas under the Snow Act were scheduled to be announced as a universal success as part of the government's polling strategy ahead of the next election. But this wasn't at all how things were being reported by uncooperative outlets, and certainly not by the public. Spend now, otherwise work, was plastered on walls all around the country. And, as Advent had progressed, the unrest had only grown more pronounced, now nearing boiling point with Christmas Day only a few hours away. The beleaguered PM turned restlessly in the unfamiliar surroundings of the accommodation, generously provided by a party donor. From the comfort of the bed, he looked out over the city of London. What he wouldn't have given to already been with Chiara at her parents' villa in Italy. Sadly, there were certain expectations that he would be visible on Christmas Day. Bringing bacon butties to the crew working on the repairs to Downing Street. Damn rioters. Sitting down to watch the King's speech, and so on and so on. With all the windows closed and the street-level noise blocked out, the city looked actually quite serene. One could almost be forgiven for describing the distant blue lights reflecting off the freshly fallen alabaster canvas of snow as festive. It was a mess, but he would weather the storm, and there were silver linings. While the usual busybodies were up in arms about a minor adjustment to annual leave, it was likely that the new education bill would pass with very little fuss, and perhaps even the indiscretions of a few backbenchers might even pass unnoticed entirely. He closed his eyes and began to drift off, rehearsing his comeback in the new year. Prime Minister, how does it feel to be proven right? Prime Minister, when will this be applied to other times of year? Prime Minister? Prime Minister? Prime Minister? Prime Minister? Prime Minister? Prime Minister? Humber, what? Horace awoke with a start blustering in a mix of shock and outrage at being shaken awake by an unfamiliar figure. Bony fingers dug into his shoulder as a gaunt face peered down at him, and seeing his eyes open, began to speak loudly to be heard above the high-pitched shriek of alarms. Building is on fire, Prime Minister. I've been sent to oversee your egress. Like the activation phrase of a sleeper agent, the mention of fire sprang Horace to immediate wakefulness. Leaping from bed, he looked frantically around the room for clothes to grab, or for any sign of his carelessly discarded phone. There's no time, sir. I'm afraid we need to move immediately. I will not be bustled out into the street in my pyjamas for all and sundry to gawp at, fire or no. Without another word, the man moved to the door of the suite and opened it. He then remained, holding it open, silently standing in silhouette beside the aperture. The removal of the barrier emitted a wave of greater noise from the smoke alarms, along with wisps of smoke and a palpable increase in heat. Point taken, Horace thought, but opted not to voice. He thrust his feet into his slippers, which lay at the bedside, abandoned any further attempts to dress, and scurried past the aide into the corridor beyond. It was hot. Noticeably so, despite a lack of visible flames. Horace felt beads of sweat forming at his brow as he hurried towards the stairwell, 
his escort following behind. Half leaning into habits, half a deliberate method to calm himself, he began speaking. Bloody protesters, they'll all do light for this. It's nothing short of treason. On Christmas night, too. Whatever happened to peace and goodwill to all men? Now that was good. He'd use that later when he addressed the press. Maybe even still in these pyjamas. Very humanising. Oh, this wasn't a protest, sir. Horace glanced back. The staff member, walking a few paces behind, took this reaction as a cue to continue. This is a simple accident, sir. Kitchen staff are thin on the ground. Those who can afford to have taken Christmas off are long gone. Those with no option other than to work are exhausted, miserable, and shall we say a little lax on making sure everything is switched off before they spend a not insignificant portion of what they earn today. Uh, in the case of the cook who was on close tonight, 18.9% of a daily wage. Getting home for a few simple hours before they do all of this again tomorrow. Merry Christmas, one and all. I'm not <coughs> sure I like your tone, young man. Remember your <coughs> place. He couldn't be certain if he was choking on the smoke or the outrage. He neglected to ask the man's name. And as he fixed him with a glare, he noted that he wore a simple black suit as opposed to any uniform, or anything bearing any department insignia. Whoever he was with, his superiors would be notified of this attitude. Civil servants were meant to be strictly apolitical. My sincerest apologies, sir. You are indeed right. Civility is indeed the most important thing at a time like this. That and checking for... Reaching the door to the main stairwell, Horace put his shoulder to it. <laughs> Horace rolled over, brushing fragments of door and other detritus from his person while inspecting himself for any obvious injuries. Crawling away from the blown-out door, now ushering in ravenous flames, he made his way prone back down the corridor the way he had come, before being confronted by the sudden sight of what had become of his companion. As a man of the world, he could have steeled himself for a gruesome sight, mentally endured a vision of tattered remains and life snuffed out in a cruel instant. But as a man of reason, he was ill-prepared to see the man completely unblemished, not a speck of soot on his suit, not a hair out of place. In fact, his face wasn't even flushed by the ever-intensifying heat that surrounded them. <laughs> you know, Prime Minister, you weren't entirely wrong. The protests do have a little to do with your predicament. All those angry people out on the streets, all those credible threats to be monitored, and on the limited resources public services have these days, I'm sure they're doing their best to triage it all accordingly. And of course, naturally, a building like this should have a fire suppression system. He glanced up at the passive sprinklers in the ceiling, drawing Horace's attention to the same as a dribble of liquid impotently escaped from the nearest faucet overhead. Of course, it was recently ruled that building owners may now self-certify that their fire suppression systems are in working order, Perhaps someone just didn't pay enough attention to the online training resources on building maintenance. Who am I? So kind of you to ask, sir. It really is. 
Uh, given the circumstances of our meeting, I'd of course forgiven you if you hadn't, but uh, it is such a pleasure when people take an interest. Leopold Creed is my name, and I'm with the Department of Justice, Cosmic and Poetic Division. I suspect you haven't heard of us, but it's come to the attention of the higher-ups that the balance has really been off for some time now. So, it's new initiatives, new KPIs, a whole new regime of securing a universal equilibrium of sorts. Were it not for the burning in his chest from the smoke, the very real heat, and the sting of countless cuts and bruises, the rational mind of the career politician would have dismissed this as nothing more than a dream. Given a moment or two longer to recover, he may have even concluded that it was the smoke. But as it was, he decided he'd go with it. Boy, I'm the Prime Minister! The, the party are all exceptionally busy at the moment trying to oust you, versus wondering if the building you're currently in is on fire. Here, check your phone. Producing the familiar device from his pocket, the strangely detached figure tossed the PM his phone. Scrolling through messages and missed calls quickly revealed a slew of notifications of resignation and private messages from concerned allies stating that it was time to go. All of this was intermingled with promotional messages from businesses up and down the country, either declaring all of their huge Christmas Day offers or scoring their own political points by sharing their decisions to remain closed for Christmas as a show of how much they valued their workers. And right then, the first among equals experienced a moment of true equality. He was no longer the leader of a country, a VIP, or even a person of particular note. He was just a man trapped inside a burning building. No, no, not like this, Horace declared defiantly. Staggering to his feet and pulling up his nightwear to shield his face from the smoke, he pushed past the spectre that politely taunted him and stumbled back toward his room, one slipper still inexplicably on his left foot. Leopold Creed paced along calmly behind him. You see, it turns out you can push people, the world, your luck, just so far before something breaks and you find yourself pushed back with irresistible force. Apparently you can take a lot from people, you can damage their livelihoods, you can rob their families, even threaten their freedoms. But ultimately, you just can't, if you'll excuse the language, sir, fuck with Christmas. Bursting back into the suite, Horace raced across the room to the bay windows. Yes, he had remembered correctly. There was an old fire escape running along the external wall. Flinging aside the latch and thrusting open the window, he scrambled out into the frigid London air, his single naked foot feeling the chilled metal and his bedwear doing little to shield him from the fierce winter winds. The aged metal skeleton, affixed to the side of the building, began to immediately reveal itself as far more decorative than practical once it was actually put to the task of holding a person's weight. This would not hold for long. Horace rushed down the first flight of stairs towards safety. There was a crowd below. From this height, Horace couldn't make out if they were carolers, protesters, or just standard onlookers. Uh, I say, down there, somebody help. Straining metal and masonry performed a pain duet as each struggled to maintain the structure as a going concern. Horace froze, gripping the railing and planting his feet in an attempt to create stability through force of will alone. Looking back up to his window, 
he saw Leopold Creed leaning out to look down at him. Did he know the average spend on fire escape maintenance on a building of this size exceeds £30,000? More on a building like this one, actually, where the historic aesthetic needs to be maintained. You could probably double that cost easily. And for something so seldom used. Seemed like a poor economy to the landlord. This type of thing would, of course, usually come up on inspections. But it seems he knows some people in uh, some high places. Bolts and screws tinkled on the metalwork as they began to abandon their posts. Wait, please, wait! The born negotiator and orator played every last gambit he had. Bargaining. Now... What if I promise to change my ways? The fire escape felt as though it was beginning to lean. Really not my department, I'm afraid, sir. Um, that would be the Lessons and Redemption Division. But uh, they are exceptionally busy at this time of year. Anger. Now, hang on. When you woke me up, you said that you were here to get me out. This just isn't fair. Creed looked down with a distinct nonchalant neutrality. The records will show, Prime Minister, that I clearly stated when we met that I had been assigned to oversee your egress, as in, monitor your departure, see you out, and pleading. But, but it's Christmas, man. Creed glanced at his watch, and then looked back at the pleading Premier with a broad smile. Indeed it is, Prime Minister. And in all realms, this is indeed a sacred time which we cannot permit to go unmarked. The handrail Horace was holding fell away. He wobbled and fought to keep his balance while maintaining his most sincere and pleading eye contact with the officious avenging angel. In light of the fact that it is now Christmas, and on behalf of the entire Justice Department Cosmic and Poetic Division, I must declare to you... Merry Christmas, Prime Minister. Oh. Today's episode of The Other Stories was written and narrated by Andy Conduit-Turner, with wraparound segments written by Andy Conduit-Turner and wraparound extra narration performed by Luke Condor, that's myself, and Andy Conduit-Turner. Produced by James Barnett, a.k.a. Jimmy Horace himself, with music by Dark Fantasy Studio and Beat Mechanic and Duncan Muggleton and Tom Robson. And sound effect provided by freesound.org and Boom Library. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spoon of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch. And to Joshua Boucher for helping with our submission reading. And of course to Ben Errington, the mistletoe of social media. His posts serving as a virtual gathering place for friends and followers to share a kiss or two. Of digital interaction. Andy Conduit-Turner is a writer, editor and podcaster from the UK with a love of horror stories across all mediums. You can find his stories featuring on several volumes of The Other Stories published by Horde Comics and more. You'll find Andy himself at AndyCTWrites on Twitter on the Horror Hangout podcast discussing the best and worst of horror films. Oh, and he's standing right behind you. The Other Stories is a production of the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means, share the hell out of it. So, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. <laughs>